0: My beautiful, delicate, I, I say that every time. I need to come up with a better intro. My uh, uh, vivacious, no, that might not be a good one. That's usually describing, nah. and I don't want to say voluptuous either. That's not good either. My uh, precious, my precious little french fries out there in the world. Welcome back to brain, uh, brain cola. I've almost called it brain soda about 50, maybe 100 times. Um, but it's brain cola, two words, um, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Now, even, even Apple podcasts, it took them forever, but you can do it there. And you know, if you really, really like this podcast, if you really appreciate my dribble, um, go on those other podcast platforms that aren't Spotify, like iTunes. And I guess Google podcasts, if people use Google podcasts, um, if you're, if you're really, really hip and uh, um, hipster, and you don't use the mainstream podcasting platforms, wherever you are, leave that five star review and uh, say hi. Leave a comment. If you leave a really good review, I'll probably read it on the on the podcast. Like I, I would love to do that, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, anyways, oh my gosh, we got lots to cover. Lots to cover. The stuff that I was thinking about this week. We have another new segment. Another new segment. This one's going to be. Interesting, I'll explain it later. Um, we're gonna ask Google some questions. I got a wreck of the week. I mean it's gonna get it's gonna get delicious. It's gonna get fizzy. It's going to get um, it's gonna get very um, philosophical. I think. I'm, I'm hoping it's gonna be very tough for you to follow what I'm what I'm saying. Because I was like going over what I was thinking about this week in my head today, and I was trying to build roughly build something resembling a coherent thought, and I found that I just made an absolute Jackson Pollock painting in my own head. Um, so I'm going to try to connect those those splatter dots, and hopefully it'll come out to be like a, some sort of picture. Remember those like connect the dot drawings we did as children. That's sort of what I'm gonna to try to do but it might you might connect the dots and it looks like a child's finger painting so um, we'll just we'll try. We'll do the best we can um, so I was thinking about I was thinking about art this week and like what constitutes art because so many people especially with modern art people think you know they look at this strange painting. And I feel like with modern art, especially, which is very, um, what's a good word for modern art? Uh, Abstract. That's a, that's probably the best word I know how to describe modern art with. It's very abstract. I feel like people are like, how is this even art? What people are spending all this money for? This stupid, it's like a, it's like a red square on a piece of canvas and people spend like bajillions and bajillions of dollars on it. And I think, I think it's worth unpacking like what, what constitutes art? Like what is art? Um What is beauty? I think we're going to end up kind of like falling down a hole here because to me, I think the first thing you have to do is define what art is, because I think art means different things to different people. I think traditionally, if I said the word, like, what is art? The first thing that you would think of in your head is like a painting of something. Um, if you have a little bit of like a wider perspective, you might think like, oh, a movie is art or songs are art. Um, but I think I think there has to be a more broad explanation of what constitutes art got to love those sirens in the background just the beauties of living in the suburbs just a total side note my favorite thing my favorite thing about living in the suburbs is that every dad in the neighborhood they must coordinate on some sort of like a google document when they're all gonna when they're all gonna mow the lawn so that they don't do it at the same time so there's just this like there's this constant hum of a of a four cycle engine just just always perpetuating the airspace at all times um i'm thinking they either use like an excel spreadsheet or some sort of like surveyed monkey type situation we're like okay like bob you're gonna do this at you know at, at 12 o'clock and you can weed whack but make sure the weed whacking doesn't you know coordinate over Jim mowing his lawn because he has a bigger lawn. Like I think, I think there's a coordination thing that happens because there's always just this, this um, perpetual droning of of a, of a small engine, J- just filling the filling the airwaves with horrible horrible acoustics. There's a plane coming overhead. There's pr- the, there's probably birds. I mean, this is just this is America. This is this is the this is the world we're living in right now. My complaining aside. To me, art. Oh, also, um, to any oh, now there's more siren. This is great. This is good content. This is really good content. I now hear several cop cars. And there it is. Very good. Very good. I think, I think I heard a fire truck too. Um, now I'm wondering if this is legitimately somebody's in trouble I hope not I certainly hope nobody's in trouble. What I'm hoping this is is um, the parades that people have been doing these these fire engine these these fire departments have been doing where they get all the trucks and they go say hi to all the all the children. Oh my gosh that can, can that stop can we stop that practice now? Is that okay if we stop that that was it was fun for like two days and then it became, Dude, you're just making everything... You're you're just angering... You're angering the suburban middle-class middle, middle class people. You're just... You're making more noise. It's bad enough we have to listen to crying babies and barking dogs and lawnmowers constantly. And you've got to add air sirens like we're in the purge. Are you serious? Anyways, Art. Wow, this is... we're, we're We are way off track. I need to... I got to bring the train back into the station here. We got to... We got to... Bring everything back on track. Um, what constitute constitutes art? Okay, here we go. To me, art is any physical manifestation of somebody's passion. That's what I think art is. Um, I think the passion itself is kind of a... It's a non-tangible... Thing, right like somebody says like i'm passionate about writing songs or i'm passionate about writing music it doesn't become a th- it doesn't become art until that that songwriter writes down words and invents a melody and puts chords to it and like makes a song right i was having a conversation with my cousin a while ago who is a an incredibly talented welder and i have I have a history of painting. I, I've done many paintings in my day. I, I don't do it so much now because I don't have quite as much time. But I used to do a lot of painting. Um, I used to do, like, Bob Ross paintings, like the Happy Trees and stuff. Like, I used to do the that whole thing. And we were having this discussion, and he said – he was looking at my painting. And he said, oh, man, I could never do that. I said, well, you know, like, I could never weld. Like, I, I'm not a welder. That's not where my passion is. And I said, "Don't don't you – when you're welding don't you want every bead to be perfect and don't you care about how it looks and how well it holds up and he's like oh of course i said well welding is your art then so i think any any physical manifestation of a passion of somebody's passion can be considered art art also and i think this is where the discussion is going to kind of open up more broadly i think art Largely, is subjective. I think art might be the most subjective thing in existence. Because there's no, like, objective thing that's, like, art or not art. Like, you could look at a... Somebody could look at a flag and say, you know well, that's not art, that's just a flag. And then someone else could say, well, no, somebody put a lot of time into this, like look at how the colors match up, look at the, the threads and how it's stitched. So it's, it's, it's very, very subjective. It's very subjective. But where that crosses over, and this gets interesting, is, is if you find, you can recognize something as art, but you may not find it beautiful. Because I think beauty, beauty is also very subjective. Because, I mean, clearly some people find one person very beautiful and one person not very beautiful. So one person finds, like, Claude Monet painting beautiful and one might not. However, I think beauty is subject. The only thing that it's subject to, to me, the only objective thing that beauty is subject to, if that makes sense, is that I don't think things that are objectively evil can be beautiful, if that makes sense. I think in order to find something beautiful, it either has to be morally good or morally ambiguous. Now, there's a lot of things in this lifetime that are morally ambiguous that I think a lot of people think are um, morally one way or the other. Like, I think people think, like, oh, so, blah, social media is evil. Like, it's It's not. It's ambiguous. Like, you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. So I think somebody could find social media to be beautiful. Um, somebody could find social media to be not beautiful. Um, it's That's very subjective. But, like, I don't think you could find, like, first-degree homicide to be beautiful because it's a moral evil. You know what I mean? But I think everything else can be considered beautiful um, or not beautiful. And then you open up the question, is like, well... Could anything that exists be subjective? Just overall. Not subjective, subjectively beautiful, but like since we're on the topic of morality, can anything be... Is, is everything subjective? That's an interesting conversation. I, I actually ask the opposite question to like help us navigate this. Is there anything that's completely objective? This is an interesting question. I used to think that there were a lot of absolutes, and by absolutes, I mean it's like it's true no matter how you spin it. Something is true. However, I think you also have to take into account context because if, like you're saying, murder—I always go to murder because it's just like it, it, it triggers. I think it triggers a certain emotion, like me doing an act that directly takes the life of another person. That's that's murder. Okay, in the context of. I'm walking down the street and Joe Smith is walking their their Pomeranian, and I whip out a friggin machete katana and slice his you know aortic his aorta and kill him i don't I don't know how on earth you could you could object you could you could spin it where it's like, yeah, no, no, he he that was okay. like you can't say that, but like in war. Let's say you, 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 you toss a grenade and you blow somebody up, but that's a really evil person because they were doing evil things. It's like, well, context matters in that situation. Um, so it, it's tough to say that things like that are objective. Then you can appeal to the very philosophical objective matters, like math. Math has to be objective. I think that's the one that people tend to gravitate to. Is math objective? 2 plus 2 has to equal 4, Right. Technically, no. I don't think math is objective. Here's why. Math is an idea, okay? Right? We came up with math. But then I hear you out there yelling, well, if you have two fish and you add two more fish, you have four fish. It's like, yeah. But physical things are just representations of the idea of numbers, right? Numbers themselves are ideas. You can't, hold the number one in your hand you can hold an item that represents the number one but you physically cannot hold the the number one in your hand okay right therefore the only thing that's making math objective is our belief that it is objective so the only thing making 2 plus 2 equals 4 is that we believe 2 plus 2 has to equal 4 like, uh, it, within our own minds, we could make 2 plus 2 equal 5. It won't work if you have physical representations of those numbers. But, like, in our minds, it doesn't, it doesn't, ha- it does, it doesn't matter. You can make 2 plus 2 equal 5. You could change the quantity of any of those numbers. It doesn't matter. You have to remember, anything objective, quote-unquote, and this is why I'm using this very loosely, anything objective that we've found or come up with, even, like, science... Which is very reliable. I'm not against science. Science is one amazing. It's great for so many things. All of those things were made by human beings who themselves are not perfect. So does that beg the question? Human institutions, clearly not perfect. Um, Science, made by humans. It's going to have flaws, and we know it does. That's a different discussion for a different day. So, is there anything that's really objective in the in the absolute sense? I don't know. I really don't know. If you have any thoughts on this, please leave a review and a f- or and five stars. That would be that'd be kind of be pretty sick if you left five stars in a review. But just to open up that question. So, how does this circle back to art? It's very subjective. It's it's totally. I think that's the easiest thing to say that it that is object that is subjective. Blech, I can't talk. Oh, I ate too many pancakes, and I'm all fired up. So, yeah. Also, if you're listening to this while you're driving, maybe you're going to film a commercial, perhaps. Don't crash, please. I'd be upset. I would be upset if you crashed listening to my podcast because I would have to carry that my whole career. So, don't. So, yeah. Subjective and objectivity. That This is, a, I think, a beginning of a, a very large discussion. So, it's it's good to think about i think it's good to think about like what is truth and then it's like i don't like the phrase like if it's true for you it's true for you because then it's like it, we're we're using the word we're watering down what the word truth means it's more of like if this system of thinking or this action works for you that's good but that doesn't doesn't necessarily make it true and if something works for you that doesn't necessarily mean it's not true I mean there's a whole bigger discussion we could we could have on this topic, but we'll save that for another another soda cola. Brain cola. Not soda. Brain cola. Ah, I get it. So now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift gears to a, a new segment that's called Tails from the Dargen. So I need to explain what this is. Tales from the Dungeon. There's a there is a an application on the computer. It's actually a website. It's also an application on, on a phone. I think you can download it too. Um, it's called AI Dungeon. AI Dungeon. If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, imagine you're a player and an AI, the computer, is the de- is the is the dungeon master. So basically, what it is is you set up the story, and you interact, and the, the the AI tells the story, and then you interact with it. And it continues the plot for you as you continue the plot. It's like, imagine writing a story with a friend, but the friend is a a computer. So what we've done here is I've had a special agent. His name is Cosmo. We'll call him Cosmo. Cosmo wrote me a story. I have not read this story. I need to be very clear. I have not read this story. uh, Created on AI Dungeon. And I'm going to perform it live on the air right now. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. I don't know where this is gonna go. I'm just gonna do my best. I'm gonna do I'm gonna try to get into character, and it's gonna be great. Oh, I hope. I <laughs> this is gonna be very interesting. I like I like acting and, and voice acting, so we'll see what happens. So this is a story. I hope you enjoy the first uh, segment of Tales from the Dungeon. <clears throat> now, the, now the funny thing about this is that sometimes the AI goes quote unquote off the rails and it'll like randomly flip-flop positions it'll be like it'll be first person and then it'll switch to like third person it's vi- it, it, sometimes it gets weird but then there's times where it's hysterical and i hope i hope we get to to some hysterical or random parts anyways here's the first story again i'm reading this live i've not read this yet <clears throat> you are zippy cornstalk <laughs> a low-level employee at a cheese factory, primarily making crappy cheese products like Cheese Whiz. One of the machines is building up pressure and is about to blow up, splattering all of your fellow employees with over two tons of molten hot cheddar. This is your time to shine. You alone can save your peers. The only problem? You don't know how to do anything. The machine has been built by some guy named Mr. Jones who lives in his basement, so you have no idea what he did or why it works. So that's the beginning. That's what the AI wrote. You, you you basically put in a character name and a rough situation, and then it just goes. So then you put in actions for the character or things to happen, and then the AI works with you. So we need to come up with how Zippy Cornstalk's going to talk. I He sounds like a British guy, but he sounds kind of wimpy. So I think it'll be up in here. It'll be something way up in the nose, in the nasal area, but we'll get to that. But this is the narrator. You take a look at the machine and see if there's any way to relieve the pressure so it doesn't explode. You look at the machine and wonder, and see that there are two large wheels with grooves cut into them to keep a cog system in place. You look closer and realize that the pressure can be released by simply turning the two wheels so the cog system meshes. You turn the cog system to relieve the pressure. You quickly turn the cog system so the wheels mesh properly. The machine slowly begins to relieve the pressure. Everyone watches as you work. You sweat as you watch the du- As you watch the dial and you hear Mr. Jones shout, Perfect! You turn to your peers and take a quick bow. Thank you, thank you, shouts Mr. Jones. I don't know how we got to him. I am impressed that someone knew enough to release the pressure like that. We should all be so lucky to work with such intelligent people. He looks at you and says, (laughs) Except for the idiot who set this thing up, of course. You say But mister Jones, you're the one who set this thing up. Mr Jones glares at you and says Perhaps, but I'm also intelligent enough to not put the machine next to a bunch of simmering hot cheese every night. He turns to turns to the other cheesemakers and says Who wants to help me clean this clean up this mess? You say not I I just saved everyone here. He looks at you pityingly and says. We make this stuff every day, Zippy. You think we have time to clean up after ourselves? Go home. You're done for the day. Feeling dejected, you leave the room and go home. You go home and in a dep- in depressed fashion eat sixty four slices of American cheese. That night you dream about a sentient pile of cheese whiz. What? That night you dream about being a sentient pile of cheese whiz. Dreaming about being a sentient pile of cheese. Whiz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You wake up and go to work the next day. You walk to work, and your boss is yelling at some guy for forgetting his, quote, duties. It's not even your job, so you feel odd not doing your own duties. He looks up and sees you and yells, Where the hell have you been, Cornstalk? You say, "Up." <laughs> you say, Up yours, Jones. <laughs> He grabs a metal bar and swings at you. You duck and he smacks into a barrel, shattering it. Other workers try to hold him back, but he breaks free and charges towards you. He knocks one man down and tackles you before he can react. You grab a nearby can of cheese Whiz and start beating him to get... to get off of you. I thought it was going to be something different. He starts kicking you while you're dazed and then manages to pull a knife and stab you in the leg. Cursing your entire existence, he jumps up and runs out the door while you limp along towards work. You say, What a day! (laughs) At work, you explain your situation to your boss. He's sorry, but he needs you to work today anyways. You aren't sure if you'll make it in tomorrow. I thought we were at work. You aren't sure if you'll make it in tomorrow as your leg still hurts from the deep cut and you're sure the bandage will need changing every few hours. You decide that you should have let the machine burst after all. Set it back up to set it back up to build the pressure. You spend most of the day setting up the machine and building pressure again. Everything goes fine until around six when people start getting antsy about lunchtime. It's very late lunch. At exactly noon, okay, you release the pressure and several tons of molten cheese shoot out from the machine like a geyser. You laugh maniacally. <laughs> you laugh so hard that you almost piss yourself. <laughs> Which would be a bad idea because you are covered in molten cheese. Everything begins melting, including your skin. Okay. This is an explosion of laughter as the world turns into an endless supply of snack crackers and cheese. The end. That was a roller coaster. Okay, well, um, that was Tales from the Dungeon. Um, if you want to play that yourself, it is very enjoyable. It's very fun to play if you're bored. Um, it's AIDungeon.com Um, Wow. Okay. I wasn't ready for that one. Oh my gosh. Well, oh, we've got time. Oh boy. I'm probably going to cut that out. All right. All right. Now into our next segment, segment, segment. And oh my gosh, I can't even talk. That I like to call Google's got questions and I've got answers because I'm always right. (laughs) I was thinking about how gross babies are and I wanted to ask Google um, how do babies, and uh if you're not familiar with this segment, I I ask Google, or Google asks me questions, and I give objectively, empirically true answers based on those questions. So how do babies breathe in the womb? Very simple question. There is a snorkel that the mother makes um by eating straws, and the baby then gets a hold of that. And you, you ever heard of a belly button? They stick the straw through the belly button and then use the straws as a snorkel, and that's how babies breathe in the womb. That's an easy one. Um, How? Oh my gosh, these are all terrible. These are weird. Oh, how do babies eat in the womb? Um, You know, this is a this is a good question. Um, I didn't want to break this to you, but the babies eat physically eat the mother like a parasite, right? So here's how this works. Let me just roughly explain this to you. Babies are evil right from the womb, right? And their whole goal is to eat their way out of the mother, just like alien, like the the alien spawn. But mothers have superpowers and constantly regenerate their bodies at a rate faster than the baby can eat. So the baby grows, but the mother can constantly heal herself. kind of like deadpool he has like the healing factor or wolverine or any number of other superheroes or x-men and the baby just keeps getting bigger and bigger until it just says forget this and it just it shoots right out of their butt right out of the mom's butt and that's how babies eat in the womb it's very simple um last question is how do babies get ear infections Good really good question. Um, the same way that other, you know, human, full-size, you know, human beings uh get ear infections, and that's by hearing uh one week by the bare naked ladies. Um basically you hear the song and then you immediately get the earworm and it infects you, and then every time you know you're walking around, all of a sudden you'll be like, it's been one week since and that's the, you know, that's really the source of every ear infection that or any Celine Dion song that will also give you an ear infection. Um, so it's important to take care of your ears and to be very careful when listening to the Naked Ladies and also listening to Celine Dion. So uh, those are my those are my questions from Google. Um, you know, leave a review if you have any um, introductory questions that Google can suggest me questions to. Um, in, in, in the, in the comments of wherever you're listening to, um, and oh, also leave that five-star review. That'd be pretty rad. So, all right, folks. And finally, we have reached the, 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 I was going to say the antithesis. It's not the Zenith of the episode, which always, of course, is wreck of the week, wreck of the week. My wreck of the week this week is shutting the hell up. Mm Mm-hmm. Were you triggered? Were you shook about what I just said? Yes. Indeed. My wreck of the week is shutting the hell up. Here's why. Here's why. Ready for this? At least with me, when people are confiding in me and trying to tell me things and either vent or they're looking for advice or maybe they're just trying to put words around something they're feeling, when they start explaining things to me, my brain immediately starts thinking of trying to come up with ways to respond, right? It's immediately like, oh, I can respond this way. Oh, I know this thing. Here's how I can respond. What that leads me to do is that I miss very important details in the person's story. And I also miss out on the emotional component. I find that I'm focusing too much on the words and how to respond versus what is the emotion behind the words? Because that's really what we're trying to get at, right? When we're talking to somebody, I'm trying to understand and reveal how you're feeling based on the words you're giving me. So my wreck of the week is when somebody is talking to you or confiding in you, you might have that urge to respond right away or somehow relate what they're experiencing immediately back to you. I find myself doing that all the time and I'm trying to not do that. But when you feel that urge to respond right away, instead quiet your mind and just continue to let that person talk and in your head think okay I need to understand how this person is feeling what is the emotion what is the emotional charge behind the words that they're saying and the only way you can do that is by listening and really paying attention and by not talking you need to watch their facial expressions you need to hear the tone of their voice as well as the words so that's my my that's why my wreck of the week is shutting the hell up and just listening to people talk. You might unearth more and be more, become more empathetic and or sympathetic just by shutting the hell up. It's a beautiful thing. Silence has been around longer than anything that's ever existed. Silence is perpetual. It's a beautiful thing. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode of Brain Cola. I appreciate it so much. Everybody who's listened so far or said that they like the podcast, it means so much to me. Um, it lets me know that, you know, i numbers aren't watching me. It's, it's actual people. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to shout out to all my social medias. You can follow me everywhere at christian.jude.h on Instagram. I do fun stuff on TikTok. I do stuff sometimes on YouTube. It's just Christian Jude. I do motivational videos and then sometimes song covers. I just did a cover of Leaves on the Vine from Avatar, and I'm super duper proud of it. So if you want to check out that video, that's on YouTube and TikTok. Um we'll talk about Avatar another day because that has a whole other conversation. Um, how good that show is. Um so I appreciate you listening. It means so much to me. It really does. Leave those comments. I appreciate any comments or five-star reviews. Leave me questions that I can answer. I'd love to just be able to like call people out, not call people out, be like hey, so-and-so said this, and then I'll respond to it. Like, I would love to do that. That would make me so happy. I want to interact with you. It's important that, you know, it's a two-way conversation because I'm literally just sitting in my garage talking for half an hour staring at a wall. But that's what I do. I'd I'm, I'm, like to think I'm pretty good at staring at a wall and talking and ranting. I'd like to think I'm pretty decent at that. But seriously, I appreciate you watching, or watching, oh my gosh, listening, and uh, I will catch you next Monday with the Brain Cola podcast.